Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Just a quick note before we get started. We finished recording this episode when Texas still trailed in the softball game against the Oklahoma State Cowgirls. We, we actually signed off as Texas hit the three-run home run to start the rally. We are so excited for the ladies, and we will absolutely be covering the championship series as Texas advances for the first time to the Women's College World Series Finals. We are so excited, and we will be back next week with finals coverage. Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast of Burn Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who knows that Texas and OU are carrying the conference in the postseason. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, what else is new, Gerald? I'm good. Uh, I'm fantastic. Yeah, Texas is. Uh... Texas and OU in multiple sports seem to be uh, the top dogs. We've played for some championships, conference championships, national championships against each other. Um, we, we don't love them, but we we respect them. We do. We we understand that as as our uh, one rival who's actually good at things. Um, you know, we we respect them begrudgingly. The crazy thing to me is every time the Big Twelve hypes up a Texas national championship, my like head explodes a little bit because if you take a look at who is not featured prominently in the conference commercials, uh, it's Texas and OU, but they are sure as fire, very willing to hype when Texas wins a national championship or presumably it, this is probably a foregone conclusion. Oklahoma wins a softball national championship in like the next three days, which it's fine. It is what it is. They are just the best team in the country and possibly the best team of all time. Like they've got a shot at it. So like, I, I just wish the big 12 would like, just ignore us. If you're going to ignore us when you're publicing the conference, ignore us when we make your conference look good, but they won't because they're a bunch of chumps. The big 12 sucks. I'm glad we're leaving. As it was said, in the uh, 2011 documentary Anchorman <clears throat> deep down in my stomach with every inch of me I pure straight hate you but do, do I respect you I love it I love it that might be one of the earliest anchor we, I, 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 we try not to reference Anchorman too much here but it's formative for both of us we're not here to talk about early 2000s Will Ferrell references we're here to talk 
about early 2020s Texas success on the diamond the baseball team honestly kind of cruised through the regional and is on its way it was it would look like Texas might had an outside shot to host a super but uh, ECU held on so Texas will be heading to Greenville to take on ECU in the supers Texas had not a ton of trouble in the regionals like Cruised over Air Force. Pete Hansen did Pete Hansen things. Louisiana Tech on Saturday in front of a massive crowd, one of the biggest crowds in school history. I was going to say, Lucas Gordon had himself an afternoon in, in Louisiana Tech. Uh, even though they put a couple up on the board and, and you know only one of those was credited to the starter, like it never really felt like it was in doubt. And the same thing could be said about Sunday. Texas jumped on Air Force early and, and Air Force didn't really have, uh, you know, after having to battle out of that loser side, uh, didn't really have the ability to, to get back in that one. And so now, like Texas got an extra day off. They didn't have to pitch Hanson again, which was nice. And so Pete Hanson's going to have a nice rested arm as they head to uh, the East Coast. And you know what was great, Gerald, was that, you know, you, you talked about obviously Hanson did what he did, Gordon did what he did, right? Those are the two kind of known knowns at this point in the season. I thought the bullpen actually was pretty, pretty great all, you know, all throughout uh it was interesting um when they came for the you know have to win one of two uh against air force basically in uh game six of the regional um they instead of going with kind of the established starter tuesday starter whatever you want to call it or you know even third starter with stevens in the bullpen they went with you know pierce had an idea that he was going to throw a couple guys no more than 50 innings he was going to get arms he was going to get southard he was going to get steely he was going to get um Duplantier in there. Uh, he he said they're still kind of getting some guys some confidence and and getting the rotation, which is nuts because we're at like sixty six games or something like that. But nonetheless, uh, fine, I guess. Um, but you know, I I liked it. But you know, it was unfortunate that LeBaron Johnson gave up the home run, or you know, they could have had a purely shutout with with bullpen arms in that closeout, um, which was nice. But you know. Um, Stevens gave up one in three and two thirds. Looks really great uh, in relief in that La Tech game. That there was a, a very vaunted La Tech reliever on the other side who did not look so great. Um, and and you know in the in the the first Air Force game, zero runs given up by the bullpen. So I mean, it, it all in all, you talked about Gerald not having the drama. We we love love. Um, we could do a ranking if you want, but love baseball, regional baseball, like postseason regionals. I, I love March Madness. I, I, I adore college sports. Bowl season's great. But man, this if this is how baseball regionals are going to be every year, if they're this much fun and this much drama, especially when it's everyone except Texas, that's a perfect start. Like, let Texas be the boring one and let everyone else just go buck wild in their, in their you know, 25 run games that go back and forth i like a little a little boring i like you know saluting the troops thanking them for for playing and chanting usa as we send them off and and we get a little extra rest we got to wrap up our weekend early and enjoy the absolute drunken madness of Stillwater <laughs> or what was going on in College Station where neither of those two teams seemed like they wanted to win that game. It was just, or maybe both of them wanted to win it a whole lot. Like we got to, we got to relax. Like it, it's nice being able to just like check out and be like, you know what? Texas cruised it. And they did everything we talked about. You know, we talked about it last week. If Texas could, could play well in those first two games and come away with a win, then 
we felt pretty confident that they would be able to, to cruise out there and they absolutely did it. And so that to me was the big win is that whatever this version of Texas is compared to what thought they would be in February, Texas looked like the optimized version of that. Texas looked like the, the best version of what they can be. And if Texas does that, if they take that to, to the Carolinas with them, I still feel pretty solid about that matchup because Texas, the, I mean, the top two guys in this lineup, if Texas gets a good game from either of them, the bats are going to do what the bats do. And Texas being optimized at the right time, it's hard to beat. We know what the arms are. If the bullpen can can just kind of keep doing what they're doing right now and the big bats, right? The Staley Melendez that we know what we're going to get. But but I love that we're getting so much production from the other guys in the postseason. It does feel like some guys are really hitting stride at the exact right time. Skylar Messenger went four for five with three RBIs in the first uh, Air Force game. Dylan Campbell had three home runs scattered across the, the three games. I mean, it, it's like that's what you really want to see is if yes you know what Staley you know what Melendez can do you know what Hodo can do when he gets on base and can be a run for those guys to drive drive in you know that Todd is is been salty here as he doesn't want to end uh, his his career um you know you, just seeing these other other hitters step up and then knowing you have a guy like Faltini who's who's you know trying to get to 15 home runs on the year uh has a dangerous bat at the at the end of the lineup can do some things he drove in some runs this weekend you know Eric Kennedy can be a game changer. Mitchell Daly gets it going. You know, he had an insurance run in one of the games. So, I mean, it, it is exciting that the bats are not just the the, the big bats, the, the the national, you know, award-winning bats in, in Melendez and, and, and Staley, but it is truly, it looks like a team that can hurt you a bunch of different ways, and that's great because you're going to, I mean, you're going to legitimately have to do that. Like, players will have to be kind of unsung or, or, or unexpected heroes in, in a deep Omaha run. So we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. There is still obviously uh, a super regional. But the thing that when, when this draw came out, you know, there was some split Twitter decision. I think the general census consensus was pretty good draw because if they can get through this, they matched up pretty well with everyone on the the East Carolina side of the, the bracket, even if it was the presumptive favorite East Carolina to win. Um, but there were kind of some murmurs that it, it was a tough draw, right? Our RPI said Dallas uh, Dallas Baptist was, was, was good. Texas didn't have to play them. La Tech, very good. And, and Air Force, the toughest, you know, four uh, around. And, and they had beaten Texas, right? They, Paul Skeens is, picked up his third loss of the season in that first game. He's a potential first-round pick. Baseball America right now has him as the number two-ranked prospect in the country. He's 10-3 and three pitching. He also is their starting catcher. He's DH, like just a, a, a crazy player. That's, you know, that was the toughest starting pitcher in this tournament. And then the toughest reliever for La Tech. We got six straight hits off. So Texas passed their two biggest tests. And then again, like I mentioned, the bullpen working. I mean, that all of those things to me say this is a team that is doing the things they need to do at the right time. Was it a beautiful, perfect season where nothing went wrong? No, of course not. But they're doing the things they need to do at the right time. And, you know, it should be a, a, a really good super. There's something to be said about getting hot at the right time. And again, we said it last week, and, and you'll, this will be a, a theme for us throughout the show, but like we were so high on this Texas team coming in. Like I put out the dumb tweet that like this this team has a chance of being one of the one of the greats, and I, and I stand by that at that moment. But again, we, we let our highs get really high, and so the, the coming down from that mountaintop really sucked. But 
Texas has a shot to end up right back in Omaha. And when you get to Omaha, anything can happen. And so that's that's really where Texas sits. You know, they've got the national player of the year and Ivan Melendez based on collegiate baseball's assessment of it. It seems like this team is getting hot at the right times. Faltini's getting hot. Dylan Campbell is hotter than he's been all stinking year. Like Texas's ability to go on a run seems there. Texas' ability to to make a run and to win some baseball games, it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point. Now, we're not going to guarantee it. Our, our our guest in the second segment will make some guarantees, <laughs> but uh, at this point, like Texas seems like they've got a shot to, to make a run, and I feel confident saying that. I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt confident saying that a month ago, but I feel really confident saying it right now. A couple of, of, of notes before we close, right? This was Texas' 12th time um, to advance to the NCAA Super Regional since the Super Regional format. Um, the toughest thing was, and I watched today, uh, recording this Monday, I watched to see uh, if the Battle of the Carolinas, if the Chanticleers could pull it out, which would mean Texas could stay at the dish would be great. They improved to 27-7 and seven at the dish this year. They're very good at home. But, Gerald, the last time that Texas had to go on the road for a Super Regional was 2005 when they won a national championship. So it is a good omen if you like those kinds of things. And, you know, when you say, does Texas have the arms? Did they find a bullpen arm? Jared Southard pitched in the the closing decisive game, three scoreless innings to get the W. In three innings, struck out a career-high six and only allowed one hit. And when they asked him what was different... In the most blatant NIL pitch, which I respect him, don't hear that as a criticism, but an absolute respect, he uh, he mentioned that the thing he was doing different was someone gave him a, fr- a Frost Blue Gatorade to drink, and so that now that's what he's <laughs> drinking, and that's how he's performing. So again, Jared, go get your money, get yours, keep drinking that particular, uh, I guess, flavor of Gatorade, and maybe just be that, that reliable arm after Stevens that we need... Uh, out of the pen but yeah i think all in all like i said it it there's some there's some good omens um at, at a good time you know M- melendez getting into the 30s on home runs now he can just bump that number up which is amazing sky messenger you know coming from kansas and winning the regional most outstanding player like just just really good stuff good good juju right now uh around the team so let's see uh if we can keep that going the eight 85-02 against La Tech on Saturday was the largest game at uh, Dish Falcon. Though it wasn't the last, the Air Force game on Sunday was the last game of the season that will be played at, at Dish Falk. We all know that it's this is the University of Texas at Omaha. The closest my wife has ever been to being a Division One athlete, um, Frost Blue Gatorade was the fuel of third trimester <laughs> Mrs. Goodrich, and so close to being a D1 athlete. No, so Texas this weekend travels to Greenville to take on East Carolina, and we will obviously keep up with that. And those results uh, are going to factor into the conversation we have on the other side of this break. And, Gerald, I do want to add one final thing. Uh, Twitter user at beingfrancake, Francesca, um, tweeted out, and this is good information, PSA, if you're looking at flights to watch Texas in the Super Regional, you want to travel. You want the Greenville in North Carolina with airport code PGV, not South Carolina one with the code GSP. The Carolinas get a little bit inbred in in their naming, and and I'm not going to go any further than that. But uh, you know, just make sure you go to the right airport if you're if you're going to uh, travel to the Super to support our Horns in the Pirates Bay uh, against East Carolina. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So we did a check-in on the Director's Cup standings, which really honestly not that long ago, like maybe a month-ish ago. And since then, uh, or in that conversation, it seemed like, you know, Brett, our, our friend Brett made the bold prediction uh, that Texas would probably likely, like if, if things shake out the way that we thought they would, uh, come home with the Director's Cup. Uh, not only did things sh- not shake out how we thought they did, they shook out better than we thought they did. And so uh, we decided to bring the, the the man, the myth, the mathematician himself, Brett Wilkinson, back on the show to help us break down. Uh, Texas is in a spot to essentially claim almost be the presumptive winner of the Director's Cup. Man, Brett, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And you're exactly right. We're here to talk about how the math is going to shake out to uh, basically show that this is a, a done deal. The writing's on the wall. Um, and, and I'm thinking Texas has taken home back-to-back Director's Cup championships. After 25 years of, of trees dancing on our grave, that's the Stanford dancing trees, it, it's good to get a back-to-back, you know, uh, it, it's good that Texas is in fact back. I think that's what Sam Ellinger was talking about when he said that was in, you know, Director's Cup, Country Club, and Olympic sports. Specifically, we uh, we were, were back. But, I mean, I, honestly, after last year, it's like, man, was that a fluke? This this year has has been, well, you tell us, has been, it feels like, at least as good, if not better, than what was an incredible year last year. Well, I, I have the number here, actually. Yeah, actually, Texas 2022 is going to blow Texas 2021 out of the water. They actually wow. already already have surpassed the 21 score, um, and we still have some um, sports to wrap up. So, yeah, this year has been insane in terms of across the board high level success Um, lots of teams ranking in the top one two three of their sports and it's been really impressive it's wild to me that like and and it makes sense right the the most notable sport but like the entire narrative of texas athletics is based around football and texas sports but like it's hard to argue with the fact that like texas is doing something that one other team has done which is beat those stupid trees for a director's cup and now doing it in dominating fashion. Yeah, no doubt. And and it would really help in this regard if Texas football turns it around like we hope they do. But even with a goose egg from <laughs> Texas football this year, Texas is, is running away with this. Well, we often talk about top 10 Texas, but let's, let's, let's get down and actually look uh, at some of the numbers, right? We know the, the three championships in like 11 days here since we've last spoken to you. Um, but maybe, maybe does it make sense to give a little bit of a, uh, a retrospective of, of some of our top 10, top five, top three finishes that have led us to this point? We'll get maybe a little ahead of, ahead of ourselves here, but we've got the championships in men's indoor track, women's tennis, men's golf, rowing, of course, it's looking like women's track and field is shoulders above the competition. I would not be surprised in the slightest if they take home that championship. And the men's track team might put up another one. They're going to be neck and neck with Georgia. 
After that, though, you have the women's indoor track took second. Both swimming um, and diving programs took seven, seven, second, excuse me. Softball right now has clinched a third place finish and fighting for second place as we speak. So that's that's 10 programs right there that are going to finish in the top three. And again, we're running out of ways to say it, but it almost feels historic. And so I know you've you've kind of crunched the numbers and looked back at kind of, you know, where we, we've come from and where we are now. So I'd love to just hear your perspective as somebody who knows this way better than Kyle and I ever hoped to. Like, what what is Texas doing right now? Like, just just put it in context for us. Yeah, let's, let's go back to when we last talked. Uh, I did predict a finish of Texas, Michigan, Stanford. Um, things started looking a little dicey. Michigan did not keep up their end of the bargain. Felt like I was watching the 2005 Rose Bowl. Just lots of disappointment with Michigan. Um, Lots of their sports were just sliding a little bit down the rankings, losing points. Their men's hockey team, women's gymnastics, rowing, all kind of faltered a bit here down the stretch. And overall, they had lost 40 points off of their predicted score. Now, we'll talk about this uh, later, but their baseball team has been a bit of a redemption story. I was, I was penciling in zero points for their baseball team. And if you've been paying attention this last weekend, that's not exactly the case. So Michigan started sliding. Meanwhile, Stanford was just charging strong. They did win three national championships. These were expected, so it wasn't too much of a shock. Um, that was men's gymnastics, women's golf, water polo. But then they also were improving their rankings in rowing. They finished second in dramatic fashion to Texas for the second time in a row. Um, Their women's tennis team um, overachieved. Their softball team overachieved. They beat um, Alabama in a regional. And actually, they had a, a lucky circumstance in that they got to play Oregon State at home um, in the Super Regionals, but they got swept by Oregon State and did not take advantage of that. Um, their track and field teams, I had them ranked, ranked way low, but when I looked back, when I pulled those numbers, they had one meet under their belt and it was the Stanford Invitational compared to Texas, whose rankings were already way up there, but they had Texas Invitational, UTSA, the um, Texas A&M dual meet. So the, the Stanford track and field rankings weren't very accurate at the time. Their men's team, I had ranked as 146 in the nation, they jumped all the way up to number nine. So, so all of this led to Stanford adding 92 points, almost, almost an entire championship worth of points um, to their predicted score. That's along with baseball. Their baseball team was unranked at that point, charged all the way up to a current two seed. So Stanford came on strong, Michigan fell off. I, I thought my prediction was done. There was no way Potstradamus was going to be named after me next season. <laughs> um, it was looking bleak. Um, and, and we'll have to see. We'll talk about how that might finish up. For, for Texas, obviously a lot going on all the time in Texas sports, but there really wasn't a whole lot of action, not a whole lot of updates for Texas, not a lot of championships that Texas was competing in. Um, but then we kind of started getting the ball rolling. We, we saw some expected finishes from the women's golf team, from the men's tennis team. They did about what we thought. And, and that really led into this run where Texas just kind of went crazy. Um, we saw the softball team start making their run. The women's tennis team overachieved by winning their national championship. 
and then rowing hung hung on in dramatic fashion to take home the championship like we expected. And then we see men's golf start to make a run through their tournament. And, And that kind of led us up to this moment last Tuesday where I was like, this is it. They've clinched that there's enough points here, enough prediction that we can say as of last Tuesday, Texas is going to take home the director's cup. So you are, are basically the, uh, is it, is it NBC? One of the news stations calls the presidential election way before everybody else, uh, every year, whichever one that is, that's, that's basically what you were giving us. You'd run the numbers. You'd, you would, uh, you'd Mr. Silverdust. Uh, you, you basically, you, you came to us early, but we were, you know, Gerald and I wanted to make sure we, we waited and we said, you know, I'm going to run a couple more. Let's let some more counties come in, let's some votes, you know. Um, but now I feel like based on the data you've given us, your, your big CNN board with different sports flipping different colors that you just did, which is beautiful. Um, podcast is a visual medium. So I hope everyone closed their eyes and imagines that. Uh, but uh, is, I mean, are you ready to, to truly here and now? call it for Texas, uh, barring, you know, natural disaster that wipes out, you know, uh, an event. And we, we have had a pandemic. Things can happen. Um, but now, barring some some catastrophic uh, non-sports um, act of God, basically, are, are you are you comfortable calling Texas the tonight on this podcast the 2022 Directors' Cup champion? You know, I, I am. And, and even more so tonight than last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, here's where we sat and and why I was ready to stop the count, so to speak. (laughs) Stanford Golf, their men's team, they missed the cut. They didn't make the the top 15. They finished 18, so they were done. Men's Golf advances. They make the quarterfinals. Things are are moving in the right direction with men's golf. That same day, um, your favorite acronym, the USTFCCCA, released their track and field rankings. Um, Texas women, number one. Texas men actually dropped down to number two. But if if you look in the detail of that, Texas and Georgia are neck and neck on the men's side. Really no one close to those two teams on the men's side. You look at the, the detailed look of the women's rankings, the women's team is head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. Um, and Stanford, um, on the other hand, they came in, they're Women's team ranked 19th. Their men's team ranked ninth. Looking at if they have a good run and some other teams falter, I don't see them placing higher than 7th on the men's side, 13th on the women's side. So you start filling in these numbers. Let's say that I was saying they're going to win the championship in baseball, and let's assume softball goes 0-2 at college World Series. Let's assume baseball goes 0-2 in their regional At that point, Texas had enough points. Once the men's golf team made the semifinals, the score was 13-35 for Texas, 13-28 for Stanford. And at that point, it couldn't get any worse for Texas. It couldn't really get any better for Stanford. That's that's when it became clear that we could call it. So worst case scenario event happening, we were able to call it. And again, to remind our our listeners, we have had – better than worst case scenario. So, so chin up folks. It's even better, uh, than, than what we just painted. Yeah. And, and here's the, this, well, let me not get ahead on this part. Cause let's talk about where things stand right this very moment, live standings. Yeah. Um, and that's, and when I say that, I mean, I'm including the points that the baseball teams have already secured 
um, I'm including the softball points. Um, so this is as up-to-date as you could get a ranking as we come filming this Monday night. Um, it might even change if Texas can win this softball game. But Michigan, first place, 1270, 1,270 points. Their baseball team went and ended the regular season RPI 71, won their conference championship to make the tournament, um, and went on to win a couple of games. And if, if you paid attention to the game against Louisville today, they actually had a lead in the eighth inning. They were six outs away from making the Super Regionals with an RPI of 71. They didn't, but they were going to take a zero on their score sheet, and instead they took a 50. Hmm. So they're back in first place with 1,270 points. Stanford is 15 points behind them right now with 1,255. Um, and Texas is at, sitting at 1,253. So they're just behind Stanford in the up-to-date rankings as of right now. Here's the interesting things, really interesting thing. Pay attention to the Stanford-Texas State baseball game tonight. If Texas State knocks off Stanford, Stanford is done scoring points in baseball. All they have left is their um, track and field teams. And if their track and field teams finish as they are currently ranked, Michigan would hold on to take second place over Stanford ah. by 0 0.5 points. Wow. So it really is going to come down to what happens tonight in this baseball game and then what happens in track and field between Stanford and Michigan. Now, if Stanford goes on a run in baseball, it's probably not going to matter. But if they lose tonight or even if they lose in the Super Regional, it's going to be close depending on how their track and field team does. Second trees. <laughs> my my prediction my prediction still could um, come to fruition. We'll have to see. Well, for your sake, we're all saying eat them up, cats. Uh, go ahead and and Texas State, who was a fun baseball team, we all saw uh, in a midweek series against Texas. They have they have some some scare to them. And if you've watched, I actually watched two. I think one or two of their games this postseason. They. Uh, they're still dangerous, so I, I like I like that matchup. I like that game. We, you know, you just heard the numbers, and again, remember, Texas has potentially two national championships, or, or which are a hundred points each, right, or at least very close to it, with their finishes in men's and women's track uh, still waiting out there. So if that if you heard us call it basically, and then say, uh, oh, but wait, it, he just said we're in third. That's that's what's coming, right? We know that there are some points coming, super regionals and beyond for baseball track men's track women's uh still to be scored yeah remember texas still has an empty spot on the score sheet we're not going to fill up our score sheet until we get these track and field scores so we just have a blank and we're going to replace that blank and we're going to replace um, a 25 point effort from the soccer team with our track and field finishes which are going to be big points so we have a big swing coming that's going to push us up over 1400 points um, which is a big score. I love it. And this is a big score having you to break this down because Kyle and I would never have done this. And so, <laughs> Brett, like we appreciate you again taking the time out to, to crunch the numbers and share them with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's a sickness of mine, but it's just how I'm <laughs> wired. I like to make a spreadsheet, do the math, crunch the numbers. And, and one more thing I'm going to share with you all. This is the, the stone cold lock that we have at this oh. point. Ooh. If Stanford wins the baseball championship somehow, even though I'm sure it's impossible to win the track and field championship, they could score 1395. 
That's their absolute maximum at this, at this point. If Texas loses all their softball games, all their baseball games, and those track and field teams finish both in third place, which is highly unlikely, Texas would score 1398. So again, absolute best case scenario for Stanford, even not realistic, an unrealistic finish for Texas and the negative, Texas still comes out on top. So it's it's a done deal at this point. Stone cold lock of the week. I love it. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. This is the only podcast that gives you Director's Cup guru and good friend of the pod. Our friend Brett, where can the where can the folks find you if they want uh, they want to see some of your breakdowns? They want to obviously hear you on our podcast, but see any more of your info. Two places. So um, I've been posting this on a thread on Horn Sports. So come check us out over there. Just a free thread on the forums over there, and and big announcement. And if people start following me, I'll start I'll start tweeting um, even this season. But for next season, I'm. Um, opening up a new Twitter account. It's going to be called Director's Cup Updates. It's at direct underscore cup dates. Ah, love it. A little play on words to get within the character count there. So um, start following me over there. Next year, I'm planning to championship by championship, updating a full spread of the scores. Um, For whatever reason, Director's Cup likes to put out like three score updates the entire year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to try to do it after every championship wraps up um, for for all the teams. So start following me over there and uh, we'll be putting out a lot of content when championships pick up again in the fall. I love it, Brett. Thank you so much. And thank you for uh, letting us be the first to, to share the news of your new endeavor, man. We really appreciate uh, your time and your effort. Absolutely. If, if anybody deserves to be kept up to speed on this, it's you guys. So Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. So that's the part of the show where we whip around. The only other thing going on on campus and we down the 40. The unlikely, if you are a fan of D1 softball, unlikeliest run. Uh, toward a women's college world series uh, continues as we're recording. It is 9:41 PM on Monday evening, Texas after a shutout win on the arm of Estelle check to force the winner take all game. Texas currently trails three, nothing in the bottom of the third. So we'll obviously probably won't have that by the time we're done, but uh, we do want to talk about the rest of that run. Texas came out firing in that first game uh, of the women's college world series to knock off number five, UCLA Mia Scott went four for four. With a double, a triple, and two RBI, RSBI, if you feel fancy. <laughs> uh, absolute, just incredible performance. Um, you're going to hear a lot of young young guns contributing for Texas in this run. 7-2 uh, to two loss to OU to end up in the loser's bracket. But then um, an absolute gem over Sunday from the, the Horns. 5-2 to two win over Arizona. Becoming just the second unseeded team to uh, reach the Final Four. Uh, we talked about Estelle Check uh, earlier, but Estelle Check um, just absolutely crushed it. Improved to 12-1 and one on the season. Just a great outing from her. Yeah, 13-1, and one, I guess now as we are recording this, just winning the, the first game. Um, she was lights out in, in both of those. Came in relief. Uh... 3.3 3, uh, and two-thirds scoreless, uh, call that checkmate, in, in the Arizona game. And then, you know, uh, pitched basically the well, – did pitch the entirety. Seven inning, four hit, three walk, um, 
three strikeout uh, performance in the shutout, only giving up four in the first game to Oklahoma State to get to the the current winner goes to the championship position that uh, they are as we record this. Um, it, you know, it, really great weekend. We talked about Haley Jolchini and just, just gutting us to get here in some of the regionals, right, against the Arkansas specifically. Um, Sophia Simpson coming through in the clutch uh, and getting the big win that sent them to the World Series. And then a sell check, right? These are – we've talked about pitching all year and where was it going to be. They've actually been better. Their ERA has been markedly better in the postseason and in the World Series specifically. And they're – defense has been better their fielding percentage is up like from an i think 95 952 up to currently i'd have to look exactly where we sit but like 980 um you know heading into this i think they, they started off a little bad against the the oklahoma state but you know they, they, it has been defense and pitching and timely hitting and also um mike white having is burnt orange in his veins but still feeling an absolute wrath for the Pac-12 beating Washington, UCLA and Arizona. I mean, so if you're a Pac-12 team and you see Mike White on the schedule, you know that he the North remembers. Uh and he is he he is going to hold a grudge his whole life, which I love. Um when they beat UCLA, I think so a couple things Cheryl. Yes, they are the second team ever. James Madison last year was the first ever. So before last year there was zero. There are only four wins coming into this ever by unseeded teams. Texas, you know, almost doubled that, um, which is amazing, right? It, it's it's incredible, but it also, I think, goes back to our original point that Texas probably should have been seeded and they got jobbed. Um, but I'll take it. Let them be. Let them be a part of history. Um, and and I mean UCLA, you saw them when they beat OU. They did it with incredible pitching, right? And when Texas won that first game, I think it kind of put everyone on alert, like. This is not the perfect Texas team. They could have used a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They started so bad at the beginning of the season, but a Coach White team with a Janae Jefferson, you know, legend with Haley Dolcini coming coming to fruition at the end, uh, with some other pitchers just stepping up, with Mary Iacopo being clutch, with Mia Scott and some of these other young guns coming in, with Bella Dayton and Arizona transfer getting in there, and JJ Smith. And all I mean, they are just a collective, and you know, Katie Simmons. I think that they have a lot to build on and I think you see why we've said for a long time coach white is such a great hire this is the first uh since 2013 that Texas has participated in the college world series and this is where they belong and this is where I think coach white wants that standard to be and you know honestly just whatever happens in this final game uh against Oklahoma State here uh incredibly proud and one of the most remarkable turnarounds uh, in Longhorn history from where they started the season when we thought they might not even make the the Big 12 postseason tournament. It looked so bleak there for a minute. Yeah, I mean, this is the Texas team, and they had a lot of transfers come in, and this was a team that lost some key pieces and was still trying to figure itself out early. We talk about it a lot when it's tournament sports it pays to get hot at the right time, and Texas got hot at the right time. And again, regardless of how these things shake out, this is a Texas team that overperformed based upon what we um, what we thought they would be. Again, like six, eight weeks ago, Texas made a run, and they had an opportunity to, to go to the finals and play OU in it, and uh, it may not turn out that way. But regardless, uh, they have a lot to be proud of, and I think these seniors, somebody like Janae Jefferson, who becomes the second Texas player and just the 40th softball player to be named a four-time All-American like they can go out with their heads held high because of what they accomplished in Oklahoma City yeah I don't want to skip over that make sure the listeners heard that Janae Jefferson became the 40th ever second only to Kat Osterman four-time 
All-American at the University of Texas. Um, just really incredible. A Longhorn legend, a, a, a player who moved into the Rushmore. When we did our softball Rushmore conversation. We talked about her as being potential. Let's see how her career finishes. Well, she edged somebody. I don't know who. Maybe we'll have to revisit. Um, it's tough. There's some there's some, some good ones, but uh, she deserves her place up there. Um, and again, however this ends, just to absolute Longhorn legend, Janae Jefferson. Such a pleasure to watch her over the past four years. Retire her jersey already. Just do it now. Don't wait. Just retire it now. She deserves it. And so that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? I'm going to do a quick one. Um, I'm going to do a quick two, I guess. So uh, just a reminder, we haven't said it on this uh, podcast. I don't think we've tweeted it out, but hopefully everyone knows. Uh, Golden Spikes voting. Uh, There's a percentage that is fan voting. 5%, 5%, but nonetheless, it is ongoing currently. Today's, uh, we're recording this on June 6th. Uh, you can still fan vote up to 25 times a day for Ivan Melendez. Uh, basically, they will cut down, and everyone assumes the, the, the finalists, Melendez, will be in that. And I believe that will open back up from June 8th to June 14th. You can vote 25 t- times per day on however many devices or IP addresses or, or you know, bots uh, that you have. Um, again, it's 5%. It's not the whole vote. But, you know, let's give Ivan everything he deserves. Just a, a brief reminder about the, the season that Ivan Melendez has had and, and why he was named the Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Year, the fourth Longhorn to ever win it after Brooks Kieschnick, Scott Bryant, and Greg Swindell. He leads the country in homers with 30. Uh, slugging percentage, 903, and the only player in the country to reach base uh, or to have over 200 total bases this year. Second nationally with 87 RBI, fourth with a 522 on base percentage, and eighth with an over 400 batting average. One of the greatest offensive seasons of all time. You shouldn't be able to be that uh, powerful as well as hit over 400. Um, you know, just go vote for Melendez because the the, the guy's a, guy's an absolute, absolute hoss. Now, we talked about baseball and softball on this one, and I'm going to close out with softball. Uh, hopefully you've all been watching as much as you watched the, the Austin Regional you've been watching this week, the, the World Series we just talked about and this incredible uh, run that they've had. But it, softball has has risen as, as the, the tides have risen. We, we've long said that it's one of the sneaky, one of the most popular sports. It's actually by attendance and by TV uh, ratings past volleyball is the most uh, viewed women's sport. And, and effectively after the big two men's sports, um, or three, I should say, with baseball, kind of comes in as the fourth most popular collegiate sport. It's a big deal. People love softball. They've been breaking attendance records in Oklahoma City with people actually showing up to watch it. Also, they've been breaking uh, you know, records. Texas has been a part of that. The uh, Fayetteville was the most watched ever uh, super regional. The, the Texas versus UCLA game to kick off the World Series was on ABC. It was on big ABC where the national championship in football, where the biggest award shows, you know, like it, you have to be a big deal to get on the, the biggest Disney channel in front of the most eyes, basically um, not just ESPN, but all the way up to ABC. It's a big deal. Um, and, and I think the athletes are responding because it's been great softball. It's been great to watch. I hope everyone who listened to this podcast either already listens and says, duh, Kyle, they've been doing that for months, years, decades, or says, you know what? I should, I should watch our softball team and support uh, all those legends. We just spent a minute talking about, um, 
and 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 watch the other teams too because OU, as much as we don't like to respect them, is putting up an absolutely historic season. UCLA is an all-time titan. Oklahoma State is building something there, and I hate it, but they're very good, you know. And so it, it's it's a great sport. We love softball. I, for multiple years, have been hyping it on this podcast, and it's great to see it uh, it exist outside of this echo chamber that people are tuning in and seeing a great product. Uh, one of my favorite moments of this run and the tournament being in Oklahoma City, my son and I were watching it. My oldest son, he's five. We're watching softball on, on TV. We're watching just the games because we like sports, and it's not like a cartoon, and it's you know, something that he and the other – boys can play and whatever but like we're watching it and he's like enamored he's enthralled like he's loving it because it's a fast-paced game like it's super fun to watch and then we run an errand and we're going to pick up some dinner and some youth softball players like and i say youth they're probably high schoolers but i'm you know in my mid-30s so i'm terrible at guessing how old people are now um but they were somewhere between the ages of five and, and 18 uh, <laughs> and my son sees them he's like were those the girls that were just playing on our screen? <laughs> They're so awesome. And like, that's what it's all about. Like sports connect people, sports bring people together. And like the, the fact that my son was so hyped to see these like club softball players, because we were just watching it on TV. It was an incredible moment for, for me as a dad. It was just incredible uh, overall. So I'm banging the drum this week on uh, umpires. <laughs> there are these moments where the officials of games try to insert themselves into the narratives where they want to be a part of the game. They're upset that they were unable to be a part of the game. And so then they insert themselves in some random way. And I don't know if you all caught this because they deleted the tweet, but the NCAA uh, put out a tweet of East Carolina baseball. Uh, They, if you don't, again, we were following this one. One of their studs, absolutely just hit a moonshot just no doubter off the bat everybody in the stadium knew it his grandma knew it like my grandma knew it and she hasn't been around for a while like everybody knew it um and he starts to admire it and then this this massive tool of an umpire puts a hand in his back and like runs along with him to tell him to run and i'm like dude your playing days are over and i don't care about the unwritten rules the sanctity of the game it's a game these are 19, 20, 21 year olds living their freaking dream. Like, let them have a moment. Uh, and, and that's really all I'm here to say is like, Kyle and I love covering sports. We love watching sports. We love talking about sports. But the reason our podcast has the tone that it does and the, po- the tone that we choose to give it is because it's supposed to be fun. It's a game. We have a good time talking about this game. And yes, my emotions get way too tied on Saturdays in the fall, but it's a game. And the kids are having fun. And this is. Probably the most fun baseball and softball combined postseason I've seen in a very long time. And so I'm just here to bang the drum on enjoying sports and having fun because you know what? Life's too short to take it seriously. Referees have been on my my mind, Gerald. Um, and not just because, you know, we always just like the Big 12 ones. But um, Mike Dean, a, a uh, notorious, I guess, English uh, referee, retired, had his last game a week or two ago, whenever the, the, the final day of the Premier League was. And, you know, those of us who, who love the Bants uh, were, were joking about how, you know, someone won a title, but Mike Dean won the day. Um, he's just a referee who theatrically inserts himself, you know, will delay the review symbol so that everyone's looking at him. Just really... You see it, you know it. Um, 
he retired and then I also I mentioned I was listening to the uh, the Michael Lewis podcast uh, about referees and the need for them and, and the type of person who decides to go to that and that there's certain areas of life that aren't refereed that should be and so I, I've been in a really weird introspective situation there's also a national referee crisis and shortage where no one wants to do it you know there's other options and uh, people are legitimately awful and mean to referees especially youth referees and things like that so I'm I'm at a crux where yes I also hate refs and yes I usually blame them um, but you know that, that, that Michael Lewis made me made me stop and think a little bit maybe I've been too mean to certain referees uh, and umpires and and the like but um, the 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 one who you described who did the pushing in the back is a notorious blowhard I won't say his name here but you feel free to look him up um, he was fooled by some amateur framing like a you know like a a house built for for the third of the price during a lumber crisis it was shoddy framework and uh he was just eating these that were a foot outside again maybe i was a little biased for the chanticleers so that we could have a home series but yes same umpire awful dude notoriously bad uh get those guys out like it helps people respect the position and authority of referees and umpires we get the jerks and the blowhards and the guys who like to make themselves the stars of the show out of there breaking news courtney damn day all damn courtney day she had a three-run home run to close the gap five to three texas in the top of the fourth you're telling me ladies you're telling me this is courtney day's night i love it uh she sent yet another ball actually this was my favorite home run of probably my life uh it looked like the the outfielder was going to be able to catch it off the top of the wall and it just bounced off the top of her glove and into the stands counts as a home run b-e-a beautiful but that's all we've got for you this week because kyle and i are going to hit the couch and watch the rest of this softball game with the rest of you kyle if people want to follow you on twitter man where can they find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i am at gh goodrich follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Oh, you sucks. OSU sucks. They all suck.